All right, all right. Good morning, everyone. Again, find your seats and we'll get started. It's so good to see you this morning. Uh, we are actually wrapping up a, a mini-series, if you will, a mini-sermon series that we've called The Time to Remember. And we just thought it was a very appropriate season as we come into 2023 to look at these different, uh, the different ways that God calls us to evaluate our lives, to look back as we move forward. Pastor Stephen Nosworthy brought a great word to us the, the first Sunday after the New Year and challenged us to put our hope in the Lord. Last week, we looked at the scripture that talked about being made alive in Christ, and we discussed that word sankofa that causes us to look back as we move forward as a congregation. And then this week, we're going to actually look a little bit at our calling and what God is calling us to. To remember our calling is really the purpose of this today. So I just have a, uh, I want to start with something kind of interesting. I almost call it fun, but it's not fun. It's just interesting. Has anybody here ever heard the word, just raise your hand, presbycusis before? Presbycusis before. A few of you have two hands I see. Okay, so most people don't know what this is. Well, presbycusis is very important for today's message, okay? Presbycusis is age-related hearing loss. Age-related hearing... Actually, the wises must have known what that was. I'm assuming... Just say yes, because we want to know that you did. Age-related hearing loss, right? So presbycusis is the loss of hearing that gradually occurs in most of us as we grow older. Okay, it is one of the most common conditions affecting uh, adults as they get older, especially elderly adults. Everyone deals with presbycusis. Okay, it gets worse as we get older. That's why we get help to hear as we get older. Now, several decades ago in England, and this was about the time when everybody was getting cell phones. Okay, so several decades ago in England, there was a store manager that had a problem. Maybe you've even heard this. It was in the news. And the store manager had a problem, and it was he had too many teenagers in his store. And these weren't new city teenagers, right? These were kind of hooligan, up-to-no-good teenagers who were loitering in his store. They were causing some trouble, and they were act- actually keeping customers out of his store. And so this uh, store owner had some sort of capacity of awareness of presbycusis. He knew that there were frequencies that teenagers could hear that adults could not. You follow me so far on this, right? So he developed what he claimed, I even think he he coined it as called the teen buzz. And he would play this high-pitched frequency that literally drove the teenagers away and none of the adults could hear it because of presbycusis, okay? And so the teenagers heard about this. They're like, what's wrong? This store is our place. What's that noise? Well, they figured out how to reverse the role, uh, turn the tables on the adults. So like I said, all the teenagers started getting cell phones. And back in the day, you might remember, your cell phone was a bit archaic, right? Like you didn't have all the expandable options, the different sounds and tones. There was no silent mode on the first cell phone, right? But these teenagers wanted to be able to text each other during class, which is a big no-no, as we all know, as some of the teachers in the room, right? You can't text during class, give away answers to tests and things like that. But they knew that if they used the teen buzz ringtone, which would eventually be called the mosquito ringtone, that the adults would never hear it. 
and they could pull one over on their teacher who had presbycusis going on, and they could give each other the answers to their tests. It's a really interesting phenomenon. Now, we're going to do a little bit of a medical test in the room, okay? And I'm actually going to test your hearing right now to see how much presbycusis is working in your life. I've got a microphone. I've got my little computer here, and there's actually a website. There's a website that you can use to engage different frequencies around presbycusis, okay? And so I'm going to test your ears this morning. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit play on my computer. I'm going to hold this little microphone, which we have up. And you're going to hear a sound. And all I want you to do is raise your hand if you can hear it. You follow me on this? It's a very easy thing. It's not a big deal. Nobody's going to shame you, I promise. Um, I just want you to raise your hand if you can hear it. If you can't hear it, it's okay. Okay, the first one on this website... This one says it's at 8 hertz, 8 kilohertz, I should say, and it says that everyone should be able to hear this. Are you ready? Here it comes. Raise your hand when you hear it. Whoops. Sorry. Okay, almost everybody heard that. Let me play it one more time. This is is 8 kilohertz. Okay, now... So that says almost everyone. Now the next one is 10 kilohertz and it says 60 and younger should be able to hear this. So some of you are older, 60, maybe you won't hear this. Here it comes, ready? Wait, one more time. This is, so there were some people that didn't hear it, okay? It was interesting. Now the next one is 12 kilohertz and it says 50 and younger, okay? I'm 49. So I'm right in the threshold, 50 and younger. This is 12 kilohertz. Here it comes. One more time, Stephen. I'm going to hit it again. Here it comes. Ready? Listen. Here it comes. I can hear it. I can hear that one. It's faint. My wife claims that I've had hearing loss for a long time. This is the test, all right? All right, this one, I'll do just three more. This one's 14 kilohertz, and they literally say on the website, 49 and younger, okay? 14 kilohertz, here it comes. Ready? I can't hear that. You can hear that? Okay, one more time. I'm going to play it one more time. Ready? Mm-mm. Lucas can hear it. He's like, what are you talking about? That's killing my ears. Okay, let's do this. Let's go down to 20 kilohertz. So this one is 20 kilohertz, says 18 and younger only, okay? So really, only raise your hand if you think you can hear it, okay? Here it comes, 20 kilohertz, here it comes. (laughs) Joe raised his hand. I believe you, Joe. (laughs) Very nice. Oh, yeah, oh, got it, got it. Perfect. It's amazing. Hearing loss is real. There's frequencies in the world that we can't hear. I actually don't mind that too much, but presbycusis is a real thing. Now, let's turn the corner to a spiritual metaphor, okay? Um, What's fascinating to me about presbycusis is that not only is it true for our ears, but it also can be true about our hearts and our minds when it comes to remembering what we were called to. I believe that it is very easy for us, very easy for us, especially those of us who have been following Jesus a long time, to develop spiritual presbycusis if we're not careful. Sometimes, not all the time, the older we get, the less and less we think we need to rely on God's word. 
in our life. Sometimes the older we get, not all the time, but sometimes the older we get, the less and less we realize that there's a huge difference between going to church and being the church. Sometimes the older we get, we don't recognize the difference between hearing about transformation and really being transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Sometimes the older we get, we don't recognize the need to remember the joy of what it was life like when we first said yes to Jesus Christ. And sometimes the older we get, we don't recognize that God is not done with us yet. That we are indeed called to something. That we're called to remember our calling. So I'm here this morning to remind each of us, myself included, that we are called. So I want you to look around at the people on your left and right. I want you to give them a high five and I want you to smile at them and tell them, you are called. Go ahead, do that right now. You are called. Very nice, very nice. So if you are called, if you are called to something, the question then becomes, what are you called to? And so I'd like you to open up in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1, you have Bibles in the pews in front of you. You can use your phone. It will not be on the screen today. I apologize, people online, if you're joining us today. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, and we're just going to stay on verse 1 for the rest of the morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. The book of Ephesians, written by the Apostle Paul, who wrote this, I believe, while he was in prison. He actually names it in this verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and it says this. I'll read it for us. Paul says this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, listen to this, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. If God has called you, what are you called to? Now, a lot of people in their lives, they want to be called to something significant. And maybe it is true that you will be called to something significant. Dare I say that those of you who have been a part of this church for any time have been a part of something incredibly significant. We all have stories where we've seen God do significant things in our lives. But there is a biblical kind of roadmap to calling that I want to show you today, that I want to unpack, that actually calls us to three distinct calling points in our lives. What are we called to? We're called to three things. Number one, we are called to salvation. We are called to salvation. Before God ever calls any of us to some sort of job, some sort of ministry, some sort of nuanced calling, before God ever does that, God calls you to himself. This is great news. Jesus, when he came, did not call the righteous. He called the sinners. Jesus, when he came, did not call those who were healthy. He came to call the sick to come into a relationship with him. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter if you are in a dark place right now. If you've had dark moments in your past, God still calls you. God calls us all to salvation, to be transformed by the grace of Jesus. Don't, friends, listen, don't let this become old news. Just because maybe you've lived a life for Christ your entire life, 
it, the temptation is to let it become old news. You and I are called to salvation. Number two, God calls us to a big theological word that I love, sanctification. Everybody say sanctification together. Sanctification. This is a fancy term that essentially means to be set apart, to be made holy. It means to be different than the world. All of us, each of us, every one of us, whether we are 70 years old or 13, 12 years old, we are called to be sanctified, to be set apart, that God calls us to lead a holy life, to live a life that is worthy, a life that is sanctified. Ephesians 4.1 says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. That is a calling to sanctification. God calls us to himself, and he calls us to be set apart. And the third calling is that he calls every single one of us to service. He calls every single one of us to service. God calls you to use the various and unique gifts that he has given you, that God has placed deep in your heart, the talent, the gift, the ability, the passion for his church and from his church to the world. He calls us all to service. His calling to service may be very specific. It also may be very broad. Colossians 3 verse 17 says this, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to, the God, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. God first calls you to Himself, then He calls you to be transformed, and then He calls you to use the gift that He has given you. He puts you in this world to make a difference. So the question is, if you're called, if you're called to salvation, you're called to be sanctified, you're called to serve, some of us might say, well, I'm just not sure if I'm ready. Not sure if I know enough about the Bible. I don't know if I'm really mature enough as a believer. You know what? I've got issues in my life that I'm trying to work through. I've got some, some deep, deep things that I'm trying to unpack. And I'm just going to wait until I get those things put together before I really step into who God calls me to be. Friends, stop waiting. Maybe you don't even really believe that you're called. You might believe that you're called to salvation, that, that your sins have been forgiven, but you can't really embrace this calling to service. Maybe there's something fearful about it. What if somebody asks me a difficult political question? What if I decide to enter into some sort of service in the name of the Lord and somebody asks me a hard theological question? What do I say? We live in one of the most polarizing times in the world. How do I handle that? Or maybe we're still dealing with some issues from our past that we haven't figured out yet and we're waiting to figure it out before we start serving. Am I good enough? Am I worthy? Am I ready? All throughout Scripture, this is very important, we see God, I mean, all throughout Scripture, use the untrained. We see God use those who appear unqualified. Those who look unprepared. He calls those that the world would call spiritually inadequate or nobodies. And He calls those people to make an incredible difference in the world. I love this old saying, this is definitely not my phrase, that God doesn't call the prepared. God prepares the called. And it's true for us today. 
You don't have to have it all together. God doesn't call you when you're perfect and when you know it all. He prepares you along the way because you are called to make a difference in the world. But there's another group of us that maybe have lost our sense of calling, not because a sense of inadequacy or self-doubt, but maybe because a sort of spiritual presbycusis. And that can come by natural causes, the natural cause of time, or I would say that in my experience in the church, it can also be accelerated by the painful experiences of our past. Those situations that we were damaged, that we were experiencing pain or hurt, baggage in our lives. Simply put, maybe some of you in this room or maybe some of you online right now have felt that there has been seasons in your life where you were underappreciated. Maybe you were overused. Maybe you were overworked. Maybe even that your call was a, to a degree abused. And this led to a spiritual exhaustion like no other season in your life. And maybe you've never recovered. The reality is that when we get close to our calling, and I need you to hear this. This is so important to me. It's important to me to hear today. When we get close to our calling and we take the risk and engage in giving our gift away in whatever context God calls us to, we get out of the realm of what makes sense in our lives. And we start to dabble in the realm of faith. We get out of the realm of what we can control and we allow God to use us in a walk of faith. We might even find that people criticize us. We might find that there's great challenges that we become face-to-face -face with, and this is the tipping point of us leaning into our calling. We are called to salvation. We are called to sanctification. And we are called to serve. Now, there's two qualities of calling that I want to try to name this morning that I think are very important for us to think about both individually and as a community in a very significant season in the life of our church. And the first quality is this, calling costs. Calling always costs. When you uh, think about Saul in the Bible, when God called Saul in the Bible, and if you don't know the story, Saul was this guy that hated Christians. He was later named Paul. And when he had this encounter with God, he was blinded by this holy light. And it changed Paul. But we had this encounter with God and this blinding light. God actually sent a messenger, if you remember the story, named Ananias to tell Paul something. And let me tell you what Ananias' message to Paul was not. Everybody hear that? If this was not his message. Ananias didn't come to Paul and say, Hey Saul, which was his name then, your eyes are going to be healed. And after that, you're going to go have this crazy, incredible testimony. You're going to have all this influence in the world. You're, the writings that you're going to write are going to, be, they're going to transcend time. And you're going to have all these influencers on TikTok and Instagram. You're going to be famous. You're going to sign a book deal. Your life is going to be sweet. That's not what Ananias said to Paul at all. When Saul was blinded by the light and had this calling on his life, Ananias brought him a very different message. And it was in Acts 9. And it says this, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument. He's talking about Saul to carry my name before the Gentiles and their Kings and before the people of Israel. Verse 16 then says this, I will show him how much he has to suffer 
in my name. Go to this man, Paul. He's my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. And he needs to know what the calling will cost. Saul, you are my chosen instrument and there is a cost. Some of you, some of us, we're going to have to recognize that we are God's chosen instrument into a certain environment, into a certain context, into a certain calling that's specific to your life. You might sit on the board of your homeowners association. Some of you might be in a teacher's cohort or a city planning meeting, or you might sit through different business bank engagements all the time. We're in these everyday lives. You might be God's chosen instrument at the middle school that you go to or the high school that you attend. You might be God's chosen instrument at the nine o'clock gym hour at your gym on Thursdays because that's what God's called you to. You are God's chosen instrument no matter what the context you're called to. And the moment that we step into our calling, we have to step out of our comfort zone. It's going to cost us along the way. For some of us, and this is very true, and many of us could tell stories of this, God will often use our deepest pain to launch us into our greatest calling. It's going to cost us something. We're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be falsely criticized. You're going to be laughed at. There will be people in your family who know your past and they will criticize you because you say yes to following Jesus. You're going to be laughed at. You're going to come face to face with all sorts of spiritual attacks. I heard one pastor say that our private pain is often a big part of our public calling. You're just going to hurt in ways that you'll never have the ability to explain but it's going to cost and it's going to lead to a calling because there's a blessing and there's a cost. Living our calling is simultaneously a thrill because we see the miraculous transformation by God and it's always a burden. Ministry is exhilarating and it's exhausting. If following Jesus is in both your greatest gift and your greatest burden, you might be doing it wrong. Calling always costs. It's never going to be easy. God never promised that it would be easy. In fact, he said the biggest enemy of our calling is comfort. Never sacrifice our calling on the altar of comfort. If God calls you, it's going to take faith because calling costs. The second thing I want to say about calling is that calling sustains. And this is much more hopeful. Everybody say hopeful because I think I'm, I'm calling, causing you to fall asleep a little bit. Sorry. Say hopeful together with me. This is a hopeful calling because calling sustains. It gives you the endurance to keep going. Whenever I look at the Apostle Paul, who we talked about just a minute ago, I always wonder how did he endure all the pain that he dealt with, all of the discouragement. I mean, when you think about it, Paul was beaten over and over again when he said yes to Jesus. When Paul moved from Saul to Paul and he gave his life to Christ, he was beaten over and over. In the Bible, we read about his life that he was left for dead, literally shipwrecked. Remember, he was snake-bitten. Anybody remember that story in the Bible? We'll preach on that another time. Paul was shipwrecked. He was snake-bitten. He was wrongly imprisoned, falsely accused. How did he remain faithful when all of his friends abandoned him? 
How did he stay true to Jesus when he was falsely accused and wrongly imprisoned? How did he persevere when so many other people fell away? And the answer is this. Paul didn't finish the race, which is a biblical term, because he was competent. He didn't finish the race because he had it all together. He finished the race because he was called. It was a calling, a spiritual calling on his life. I love it in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12, 13, and 14. The Apostle, the Apostle Paul says this, straining toward what is ahead, Paul said, I press on. I keep going. You can't stop me. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I finish the race because that's what I'm called to do. Maybe there's somebody here today or maybe somebody listening online who needs to remember your calling. What are you called to? You're called to salvation. You are called to sanctification. And friends, make no mistake about it, you have a gift to use in service to Jesus. You have the greatest gift in the world that you cannot earn something that is never we could ever do to deserve. It's God's love that changes our lives, the forgiveness of sins in Christ, and we are called to be set apart, different from the world. And it's always about giving glory to Jesus as we are also called to service. Maybe for some of you, you're coming out of one of the most difficult seasons in your life. Maybe even dating back to the pandemic or just before and all the challenges that came from that season. Maybe it's been so hard for you that you've lost your sense of calling. Maybe you were taken advantage of. Maybe you were underappreciated. Maybe you were even overworked in this church. Maybe your personal life got rocked so hard, a tragedy, an event that you could never have dreamt of, and it took away and stole your joy and robbed you of that sense of calling. How do you keep going? How do you keep moving forward? How do you show back up? And I will tell you, there have been times in my life where I've struggled with this calling as well. Katie and I were talking about, we have a, a, a church that we both connected to, Crossroads up in Forest Lake. It was the church I grew up in. And one of my dreams growing up was that I would get to serve at this church, my home church. I just would have loved to be the youth pastor at this church. And, and finally, in like 1998, I got the call to go and be the youth pastor as my home church. And this church had went from, at the time of my youth, like 250 people to like 1,500 people one Easter. It had just exploded over the, like a three-year span. It wasn't, had, had nothing to do with me. We came in a little bit later, but this church was huge. And because of that, there was a lack of foundation around leadership. And when conflict creeped up, which oftentimes in the body of Christ it does, there's pain. And when I got there living out this dream, I couldn't believe I had the opportunity to be a part of this job and to serve this church. And this church is a big building. And then they built this incredible youth center with a gym and all these classrooms. And so, you know, I was 20-something. I didn't know what was going on in the politics of the church. I just loved doing what I was doing. But I'll never forget one business meeting when at the end of the business meeting, our chairman just said, did anybody have any announcements? And all of a sudden, somebody stood up and they started yelling at different people in the business meeting. And because there was a lack of leadership, those yells were returned back and forth. It was the worst way to handle conflict. And that church on that day split. I watched people that I grew up with 
who discipled me as a teenager. They would invite me into their house to have Bible studies behave so badly. They were convicted about something, but the way they handled the conflict was so painful. And you know what it did for me? It made me question my calling. There was baggage that I began to load up in this bag over my shoulder, metaphorical bag over my shoulder that became so heavy to the point where Marie and I said, we've got to leave. And we got an opportunity to go serve a great church in West Michigan. And so we left that church, my, my dream job, we left there. And we went to serve this other church in Michigan. But you want to know what happened? That baggage came with me. And it was heavy. And it was horrible. And you want to know how it came out for me? And all of us are a little bit different. But I became very, very cynical. Very critical of the incredible senior pastor I worked with who was very wise, very different thinking than me. And things that I would say were not holy. They were not sanctified. They were, not, they were, they were critical. They were mean-spirited. And that's because I didn't unload the baggage and remember what God called me to. Maybe you have some story in your life where you have had some heavy weight on your shoulders. Maybe it's from serving at church. Maybe it's from all the division that we've experienced in the world the last couple of years. And rightly so. There are good reasons to feel that heaviness. But I'm challenging you today to let God unpack that baggage for you to remember what you were called to, to remember the calling to, to God himself, this grace that gives us a hope and a purpose, this sanctification calling that calls us not to conform to the pattern of this world and the calling to serve. God has placed something beautiful in your hearts that is only yours and it is a gift to give away. God's calling is never easy, but God is always faithful. We don't give up because God's faithfulness towards us. You are called. You are called to be a light in a dark world. You're an ambassador. You offer hope in a world of darkness. You shine into it. When someone is hurting, you have the answer. When someone's far from God, you can help connect them. When there's a need, you have access to the very heart of God and you go boldly before the throne of grace in prayer and ask God to intercede. You have the ministry of reconciliation, helping broken people find their way back to this grace of God that is for everyone. Don't let what you see around you take away from what you are called to. You're called to salvation. You're called and saved by grace. You're called to sanctification. And you are called to live a life worthy of your calling. And you were created by God uniquely to serve him. Will it be difficult? Probably. Probably. Paul said it this way, and I'll conclude with this. He said, I'm hard pressed on every side. All around me, the walls are pressing in. But I, Paul said, am not crushed. I am perplexed, but I am not in despair. I am persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I am struck down, but I am not destroyed because I have been called by God. May that be true of each of us individually in the lives that we've been called to, but also as a community. And dear friends, I need to tell you what makes me so delighted about this message today 
is that we get to do this together. It's the beauty of New City Covenant Church and any church that you might attend. That's what the body of Christ is to be about, to link arms in our calling with one another, to support each other in our hardships when the walls are pressing in, to advocate for one another through prayer, through petition, through support, through tears and laughter and joy. What a gift it is to do this together as the church. All for the glory of God. May it be true of us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me and let's thank God for this word. Father, we love you and we thank you for how sweet your calling is in our lives. And before we sing our last song and conclude our service and head downstairs to soul food, I just want to pray a very specific prayer. I want to recognize that there may be people in this room who, like I have in my past, are carrying heavy weights around their shoulders from past baggage, pain, maybe even feeling a sense of of being abused in the past, God. I want to pray, God, that you would give us the courage to unpack that heavy weight, to give it to you, to turn it over to you, and for, to let you reignite the calling that's on our lives. God, we, we pray against presbycusis, spiritual presbycusis. We pray that you would remind us of the gift it is to be saved by the grace of God that we can never earn. We ask that you would remind us of what a calling to sanctification looks like and that, God, you would more than ever before give us a fire in our hearts that calls us to serve with humility and passion and grace that brings the good news of Jesus to a world that desperately needs to hear from you, God. What an honor it is to be your hands and feet in this way. And God, I also want to pray that you would give New City Covenant Church a clear vision of what it looks like to move forward in hope, to move forward in mission and vision, to move forward together as we link arms with one another and follow your Spirit's lead to be a blessing to our community that we're in in Edina, the Twin Cities, Minnesota, the United States, and Father, even the globe, whatever it is that you're calling us to, give us a clear vision that is led by your Holy Spirit. God, thank you for the teenagers and the children that are in this church. We're called to them. I pray that you would give us a heart to love them and to see a generation that we get to participate and telling them the good news of Jesus as well. Father, thank you for this morning and the good word that you've given us from the Apostle Paul. May it change everything about us. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Would you stand and let's sing this last song with Katie.